The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to eat and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one. And put it on him. Put, on a, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with his prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. What are the words that immediately come to mind when you think of Lent? What are the themes that you are reminded of? Most likely you think of repentance or sinfulness, fasting and sorrow, or if you are very serious, sackcloth, ashes, and corporal discipline. 
Today, I would like to suggest some new themes, which I believe to be more akin to the purpose of Lent. Themes which are perfectly summarized by the first words of our psalm today. Happy are they whose transgressions have been forgiven and whose sin is put away. Today's gospel is an illustration of this. The parable of the prodigal son, or as it perhaps might better be titled, the loving father, is one in a series of parables in the gospel of Luke. It immediately follows two other parables which have a similar structure and contents, both of which you probably know well. In the first, Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep and the search to find it. The shepherd eventually does find his lost sheep, and when he returns home, he calls up his friends and neighbors and has a party for his wandering animal. The second parable is about a woman who has lost a coin. She has ten coins, but has lost one of them, and in order to find it, she tears apart her house, tossing aside furniture and rolling up rugs. Upon finding her coin, she calls her neighbors, and again, there is another party, and much rejoicing, this time for the lost coin. In each of these parables, Jesus asks a question directly to the audience. Interpreters, in the books I read at least, seem to struggle with understanding these questions. They seem to think that the parables describe reasonable, rational behavior. But there's nothing reasonable in these stories. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus asked, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? The answer is, of course, no one. The people in the crowd hearing this parable must have looked at each other quizzically. No one leaves ninety-nine sheep in the wilderness to go and find one. If you left an entire flock of sheep untended to go after one, you would lose a lot more than just one. Furthermore, no one has a party when they come home because they found one lost sheep. In the second parable, Jesus says, What woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Again, no one does this. Imagine if you just run to the ATM and you have a whole stack of twenties, and you lose one of them in your house. You know it's in your house somewhere. You know you have enough money to last the next couple of weeks. You still move all the furniture throughout the house, sweeping, vacuuming, turning over cushions. Maybe some of us do. (laughs) But I'm more inclined, after a cursory search, to patiently wait for it to turn up again. More to the point, none of us, and I think I can say this with some confidence, have ever held a party for a lost $20 bill. (laughs) These two parables are the setup for the most unlikely story of them all. Jesus does not even need to ask the question of his audience. There is nobody in the first century world who would throw a party for their child who has come home from spending a third of their eventual inheritance. It's particularly true in that culture. Children, especially wayward ones, are not valued in the same way as in our society. Furthermore, this is a culture based on an ethics of shame. Shame and guilt not only serve to ostracize individuals, but spreads to whole extended families and friends and associates. To have a party celebrating the return of a sinful embarrassment of a child is unthinkable. 
It is like inviting your friends over for an anti-America party on the 4th of July. It is just culturally rude. But hopefully a new theme has started to emerge to us. The recurring plot point in each of these parables appears to be the practice of holding parties and rejoicing. There is, of course, more to each parable, and the depth lies in what this party holding signifies for those who live the Christian life. In each parable, something is lost, it is pursued, it is found, and it is celebrated over. Again, with confidence, I can say that we are the ones who are lost. We are persons who wander away and become lost, persons who spend time and money doing things we ought not to do. And this means that we are the ones who are pursued by the shepherd in the wilderness, carried home and rejoiced over. We are the ones who are sought after throughout every nook and hiding place of the house. We are the ones who the Father comes running out of the house to meet, to hug and to kiss, even before we have time to say we are sorry. We are the ones who are rejoiced over with grand parties held in our honor. So what does this turn the season of Lent into? Lent is the time of year when we are called to encounter what we truly are. The season thus begins with the Ash Wednesday reminder. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Lent is about our human condition. We are sinful. We are broken. We are constantly mistaken and troubled. We err. We are human. But our response to these truths should not be sadness or embarrassment. This is only part of the equation. We should embrace our faults confidently and boldly turn to God. God knows you as you are, and he rejoices over you. Just as the good shepherd does, just as the woman who finds her lost money does, and just as the loving father does. We should join in on that rejoicing. We are charged with living as good a life as possible, something I think we all desperately want to do. But we know, and God knows, that we are not perfect, and that we make mistakes, and so we are called to repentance. So let us repent, but let us also rejoice. Let us rejoice in the fact that God loves us and pursues us always. In the words of the psalm, Happy are they whose transgressions have been forgiven and whose sin is put away. May we always be happy.